Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are listening from. I'm Adam Parry, and the editor of Event Industry News and your host on today's podcast. Um, joining me on today's podcast is Tim Group, CEO and co-founder at GRIP, which is a leading AI-powered event networking solution that empowers event organizers to reach their business goals faster. Tim, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, busy in these, uh, these turbulent times, but uh, yeah, all going well. Thanks for having me. No, it's brilliant. Um, I suppose to give us some context and to, to give the listeners and viewers today a bit of a background on yourself and, and Grip, in, in your own words, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the, the company and, and, and what it does for the event sector? Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you. So, um, so Grip is an AI-powered event matchmaking solution, as you kindly mentioned. Uh, we work with organizers all over the world uh, to make you know, networking and, and events overall just a more efficient and better experience and, and using technology to do that. So really increasing the return on time of, of people. Um, I started the company myself five years ago and, and it's, you know, the last couple of weeks have been incredible in terms of how quickly everything is going now, right? Like we've seen technology playing an increasingly important role over the last five years and now all of a sudden, uh, uh, technology is really at the front of, of kind of what is needed in order to deliver these experiences. Uh, it's of course sad that, you know, this is kind of what has forced it to kind of look, end up at this point, but I think it's extremely interesting times. And so, yeah, excited to be talking about that and many other things today. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, many organizers, un unfortunately, have found themselves at the, at the sharp end of, of COVID-19, right? Um, you know, technology has played its role in, in the event sector for a long, long time now. And, and virtual and hybrid solutions and, and the technology that could support them through this time has existed um, for, for a number of years. But I think maybe, you know, with, with, with so many postponements and cancellations, organizers have kind of pivoted and started looking towards technology that where they can, that can help them. But that's also, you know, maybe the, the skills gap's a little bit there. They've not explored these technologies before and, and possibly never even delivered a, a virtual event before. Um, is, that, is that what's happening at your end? Is, do you see the same when companies are contacting you about, about your solution that you've been, you've been working on since February? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, you know, to be completely honest, we had never done a, a virtual event before, uh, before four, three, four weeks ago. So I think like for everybody, it's just an incredible learning experience right now. And I think, you know, we do know a lot about events. Like uh, we, we uh, just like yourself, you know, you have a lot of concepts and ways that you think about these things. You understand the, the, the user for the F&D and the exhibitor and kind of what they're looking for. You, you know from yourself how virtual uh, experiences work, uh, uh, you know, using video calls is such a big part of our lives, especially now. And I think of bringing all these things together is currently really forcing organizers to think about how this could work in a virtual event experience. Um, because we got so many questions, we started doing a weekly webinar uh, where we bring all our clients together to you know, invite maybe some guest speakers uh, and, and, and really think about how this could really impact the event experience. Because you know, it's not gonna be the same once this is all over. It's, it, it is gonna change events for, for the long term, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And, and... And let's be, let's be clear, GRIP has been within the events market for a number of years now, right? Providing technology to live events and, and empowering both attendees and exhibitors and, and the organizer to connect people up to, to, to create those meaningful connections, right? Um, yep. and, and we ourselves use, on a, probably on a day-to-day -day basis, not 
um, the technology that you deliver, but we use technology to create meetings, don't we? We, we arrange phone calls, we arrange Zoom calls, like, like we're recording this podcast here now. So, so that exists. I suppose the, the bridge that needs, needed to be created between your technology and that was, was that little bit in the middle, right? The, the curation yeah. of, right, we've arranged a meeting, now we can facilitate that within the same platform so we're not using other tools and other things and, and it, making it super complicated. Can you, can you explain a little bit more to, to the listeners and the viewers today about what you guys have put in place and laid on top of your existing technologies? Yeah, no, definitely. So, so really what we've done is, is taking the, uh, as you mentioned, uh, video call concept and build that into the platform. So we really wanted to make sure that we could add this onto any event that was taking place. We had some events where we had to turn this around within a day, right? So it shouldn't be forcing a new setup in order to deliver a virtual event as opposed to a physical one. Um, so we made it so that any meeting on the platform can just be enabled for a, uh, a virtual meeting, which will associate a, a video call virtual meeting room. Um, and then you can just click on a button either from the app or the web platform or from an email once you get it um, to actually start that video call. Um, so it, it all sits within the platform. You don't have to download anything else. Uh, of course, we do kind of use an existing technology in order to deliver this. Uh, so we use Whereby for it, uh, which sits kind of fully embedded into the platform. And it's, it's working really, really well. We've, we've had several thousand virtual meetings over the last couple of weeks already. Can you, can you talk about some of the, the organizations that are, that are currently facilitating these, these meetings in, in, in that way? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so events from all sorts of uh, sizes and shapes, to be honest. We've had some tech events like InsureTech New York, um, which did an incredible job. Like they had, a, uh, 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 they had a comedian in between the sessions that was kind of like emceeing everything together. And then they had some specific moments for kind of meetings to happen through GRIP. So that was incredible. That was uh, late last week. Uh, we had uh, ITB Berlin, the biggest travel event in the world that went uh, 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 virtual at the very last moment uh, in the beginning of March, which was a great kind of first first opening and, and, and went extremely well. Lots of positive feedbacks. Um, we're working with Informa, with Clarion and a whole bunch of other organizers that have already been using it over the last couple of weeks. And, and these virtual meeting rooms then, that's, that's essentially the, the video call aspect, right? Yeah, I would imagine that that's giving huge amounts of more insight and data to the organizer as well of the value of those connections that are taking place. What kind of information and data are you tracking that you can give back to, to the organizer to, to give them some extra insight around that? Yeah, I think it's, it's a very interesting uh, concept, right? Because normally you have people that sit physically at an event and they then have to open up their phone or, or laptop again in order to kind of interact with that meeting beyond that, whether that is rating it or seeing the next one that's coming up. And now, actually, you have much more kind of uh, real-time data. So, so one of the simple things that we've done is that as soon as the first person joins the virtual meeting room is that we send a notification and an email to the other person that the person has joined. So we'll probably have a, a, a lower no-show rate because we can much, easy, much more easily track that when the first person has joined, right? which is already a big difference. Um, and then the rating of meetings, which is normally something that we kind of push to people as they finish them, now we just have a nice sidebar in this virtual meeting when the last kind of 30 seconds happened where you can straight away uh, rate the meeting would also qualify why it might have been a good meeting. So post 
uh, post meaning you can actually use that information and, and, and add that to your sales and CRM system, for example. So yeah, I think it's going to give us a lot more insight into that overall experience um, and, and providing that data then, of course, back to the organizers. So it's going to improve the, the quality of the data. Um, but you can also do much more fun real-time experiences due to this, right? Because you can kind of, you're in front of your computer, you could very easily add other layers on top of that as you go along through the event experience, as opposed to normally being a little more pre-planned uh, before you kind of start your event experience. So that's, that's super exciting and lots of opportunity. Do you know what, Tim? I, I really like the, the point you made about uh, the automation of notification to 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 the to the person that the other person is joined right because much work done in as in as small amount of time as possible um, and and you know even we've got slack here at event industry news and stuff and, and you can sometimes miss things because you're just so focused on your inbox i think what's really interesting there is that you've given the message that that person's ready and waiting right where that that person is so I, I could absolutely see how that would, would bring the adoption rate right up. Do, do you think you'll go to the kind of things like desktop notifications and, and things like that as well in the future? Yeah, I think, you know, desktop notifications are interesting. I think that email offers a lot of that experience already, uh, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I think that we can get that just through, you know, email and push notifications on the mobile app. Uh, but yeah, of course, uh, uh, adding desktop notifications is interesting as well. Um, I think there is there is going to be, uh, and I published an article today that you mentioned as well, right? I think, I think that we're going to create different types of experiences. I personally don't believe that all of a sudden the virtual event will last from like 9 a.m. in the morning till 6 p.m. in the evening. I think it will be there is there is a whole different psychology and and user behavior around the return on time that people are looking for and the investment that they've done up front in terms of travel and so forth. Um, and, 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 you know, how that fits into the communication and their everyday life, right? I think a physical event, you, you plan that day out, you go to the event and you're there and you're completely engaged. You're kind of switched off from your uh, professional life outside of the event almost. Whereas a virtual event, that's not going to happen. As soon as people are not engaged anymore, they're going to switch off their, they're going to switch off and do something else. They, they start doing dishes or they're going to answer their emails or whatever they're going to be doing. Um, so really these virtual experiences will probably be shorter um, and, and we're going to be looking at ways that we can provide maybe in a two hour context, um, several relevant sessions, as well as maybe some great meetings as part of that and, and in a much more kind of seamless experience. So that's really what I'm really excited about, that it can sit as a standalone virtual event, but also see it as an extension of the live event and look at it more from a kind of hybrid approach uh, where you're kind of finally looking towards a 365 engagement which organizers have been looking at for so long. Right? I, I totally agree with you. I, me personally, I see it as a way for the organizer to bleed the edges of, of that core event as well, right, going forward. When, yep. when we can come back and we can start, you know, having our physical face-to-face -face events again, um, especially the exhibition market, you know, these tools could be used to, to really extend the lifespan of that event leading up to it and post event, why, why not have meetings and virtual meetings pre-show to qualify the actual the exhibitors that you do want to spend time with at the show? After exactly. the show, it could be whole, the whole sales process, CRM, checking in, you know, follow-up meeting element of it, or that, that one person that you just didn't manage to, 
to get to see at the event because you know lunch overran or you you just ended up going to that session that you really wanted to, to go and see so i think the value that layering these these in your in your instance virtual meeting rooms and your technology you know event tech live we we use your tech leading up to the show don't we for for a good couple of weeks why can't yep. business be um, started facilitated even even potentially done within that period right you your job as the organizer is to put the exhibitor in front of the attendee and and to connect attendees up with great other attendees that they they have something in common with so i think actually as a as a as a tool as a platform the virtual element could could wrap around the physical and just add huge amounts of more more value to, to everybody's time yep. Um, I think like a uh, question for you around that. Uh, I got it, I got it this morning from, from an organizer and they're like, well, if it's a kind of virtual experience on, on a standalone thing, is it really still an event? Isn't it just, you know, a webinar with some like, is it, does it constitute, are we still an event organizer when that is what we do? Right. So how do you look at that? It's interesting. I, I suppose then we, we have to look at the definition of an event, right? Um, exactly. and and, and the definition of an event is maybe fluffy at best, because <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think legally an event could be more than four people meeting, which, which could be me, you, and, and a couple of colleagues on the corner of, uh, of a street in London. And to, to yeah. legally, that could be classed as an event. Mm -hmm. Birthdays are events, weddings are events. Well, not right now, but... Uh, well, not right now, you're right, absolutely. <laughs> um, but for me, what, what defines an event is, is a couple of different principles. One is, is the delivery of content to an audience. You know, that, that can be an event. We, we have film premieres, they're events, they're, they're kickoff. And I'd, I'd argue that going to, to, to a cinema and a shared experience in that way is, is still an event, just, just yep. you know, in its own right. Um, bringing of people together that that's really really what an event is, is is the bringing of minds together on a particular subject or or for a particular uh, occasion and you know what um maybe 20 30 years ago when when the technology that we have now just on our day-to-day -day lives didn't exist then yeah you'd, you'd have to argue that that actually an, org an event organizer is somebody that physically brings people together but when we look now at how much time we actually spend individually both for business and, and personal use online, consuming content through things like Netflix, but, you know, spending time on YouTube, on social media platforms, on LinkedIn, um, you know, we, we have the notifications now, don't we, telling us how much on screen time that we, we've had, you know, actually that, that, that um, event is, is very much able to, to happen online through those tools and through the tools that are becoming more and more prevalent within the event sector. Um, I think it's more of an issue or more of a change of mindset that the traditional organiser has to have to, to really see the opportunities that lie by thinking digitally and maybe actually thinking more of as a digital marketer, as a digital strategist, as, as somebody who creates content online you know, YouTubers do this for, for, for millions and millions upon millions of pounds. Some, some YouTubers are earning a, a lot more money than a lot of organizers out there by delivering content online and engaging an audience online, right? So it just has to be a little bit of a mindset change um, in, in the sense of just because people aren't physically there, if I'm delivering the other elements of an event that I do well, 
um, and providing those opportunities to connect and network and meet people around the subject matter, then that for me is, is exactly, the, exactly the same. I don't know whether you agree, Tim. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, like, I think it's interesting always to say that, for example, uh, Twitch in the gaming world is, is massive, right? And, you, and, and, and some of these elements that you touch upon, you have that as well. Uh, it's a shared experience. You see somebody watching, playing a video game, for example. Uh, you can comment and interact with other people that are there. Um, but for some reason, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't constitute an event. So I think that, that in, in something that, you know, I think it's in the words, um, an event is something that happens. It's time bound. So I do think that that an event means that it is something that is time bound that happens in a particular moment, whether that's uh, physically or virtually, and then uh, has those elements of creating a shared experience that uh, inspires people and connects them. Um, so you know, I think then you kind of have the makings of an event. But I think that time bound element is important. So just all of a sudden opening a platform that can be used. Uh, 365 days a year to request meetings with each other, then that doesn't make it an event anymore. I do think that it needs to have that. Oh, well, at least if you want to call it an event, it's right. Like the, the question is, are you an event organizer or are you a company that brings people together and inspires them? So, you know, I think it also, that's the, maybe the, 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 the change of thinking really is like, are we an event organizer or are we this thing that connects people? And, and then we can actually look at, okay, how are different ways that we could be doing that all year round, uh, uh, through technology, virtually, hybrid, all of these different elements? Do you know what? That's, that's a really interesting point. And, and I personally, I'll have to admit, I've not thought about that, but I think you, you, you have hit the money, uh, hit it right on the money. It, it's the time element, isn't it? It's the fact that um, it starts at a particular time. There's a, there's a, there's a, you know, a hard end to something. Um, maybe that means that you can still watch back things um, on a replay. But, but maybe the yep. Q&A element is, is exactly that, that, you know, if, you, if you're watching the live stream and you want to ask that speaker or you want to engage with that community right there, right then on that particular thing, then it has to happen within that time frame because you can't retrospectively go back, really, can you, yep. and, and ask a person the question that might have been there 24 hours before, 48 hours before, exactly. And, and maybe that's, Maybe that's one of the key things between, well, it's one of the continuity things between what, what virtual and physical events have or can have in common is that if we think about them within a time frame, then they're, they're very much um, aligned with each other rather than, like you say, opening up this whole 365-day idea, which, which is, is just too big. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's really going to be about um, a shorter experience. But the main thing, actually, as you mentioned, um, I don't think that it's going to be the same and that you're going to have, uh, in the case of Event Tech Live, thousands of people join in simultaneously. But what if you could get, for example, all trade show organizers that are interested in event apps and, you know, you get them in, in a two hour uh, something which includes webinar and, and includes maybe some, some other elements and some networking component to it. Um, then you can actually kind of make it more specific. You could organize those all year round. And it's really a conceptual thing that you can use technology to deliver that. Um, you know, I think that I was speaking to an organizer this morning and they do one big technology conference a year. Uh, and they've been thinking for a long time, again, how can we kind of expand our reach? And, and you've seen some that done start doing local chapters, right? The localization so that you start doing them all across the world. Very operationally heavy. You need to, you know, think really 
really carefully about executing that. Big organizers is a little bit more easy because they have teams all over the world already. But for an independent organizer, it's quite tricky to achieve that. But actually, maybe doing virtual engagement throughout the year that are time bound, but you know, bring people together is actually a great alternative to that. And that's something that now, of course, with the wave of everybody having to work from home, um, everybody knows how to do a video call now. Everybody knows that. You have people, I, I, I hear it every day now, that have never ever worked from home. They're 50, 60 years old. And now all of a sudden they're working from home two, three, four weeks straight, or maybe even longer. And so that is gonna be a change in uh, uh, um, how people look and how confident they are with technology all of a sudden. And that brings us back to this initial argument on what constitutes an event in terms of connecting people. Well, the only way that you're gonna have the right people in the room is when it's time bound. Otherwise you can't have all the right people in the room. So therefore you need to be explicit and say, this is gonna happen between those time periods and we're gonna make sure that the right people join. And then it's gonna be very easy for you to have that kind of engineered serendipity to make sure that you make the right connections and have some of those right interactions uh, to get your you know, competitive intelligence or the latest chit chat on, on the industry, because that's a big part of why you come to an event to you know, get the latest insights. Uh, you're gonna have some interesting discussions. You're gonna meet some new people. Somebody's gonna introduce you to someone. All of these things, we're gonna to have to think about how that operates in the virtual world. And I think overall, it's gonna help us increase the return on time of both the virtual side, but also the live events even further, right? So like really, well, how, when we originally scheduled this podcast, it was gonna be return on time, you know, host a bio event, which is yep. an extension of the same thing. It's gonna be about how can we use more technology or how can we use technology to schedule better meetings between people and have a higher return on time of the experiences we create. And you know what, to, to add to that, I think there's, there's, there's two key points that I think are real benefits um, to using this type of technology um, as part of your event strategy, both as an attendee and, and as an organizer. I think first and foremost, as an organizer, and I'm sure many organizers that are listening to me will know this, to get those really top CEOs, CFOs, CTOs in the room is a challenge, right? Because their time is so stretched um, and, and they may be based in New York and it might be the best event ever in London, but are they going to travel 10, 12 hours on a plane plus transit to, to spend even a day or a day or two at an event, um, which, which is probably a week of their time out of gone? You know, that, that's, that's a huge challenge to get that, the mind share of that person in the room, right? But, but if he can join or she can join from the comfort of their own office for an hour to, to watch some content and then spend another 30, 45 minutes around that, having meetings with some of those potential people that he wants to work with and all that kind of stuff, then that's super valuable and super accessible in my opinion. So yep. that's one thing I think, I think the technology can offer a way to get those really difficult people in the room, if you want, virtually um, and, yep. and get, some, get some time with them. Um, but second to that, you know, we, let, let's, let's be very honest about it. Sustainability is, is front and center of everybody's mind right now, right? Um, and some of these smaller events that happen regionally, they're great, but again, they have quite a big impact because the likelihood of the sponsors, the exhibitors of those people being from that region is, is very unlikely. You know, even Event Tech Live has visitors from around 40, 47 countries, something like that. 
So even if that's one person coming from each of those, that's, that's still an impact on, on the environment for those people to come and engage with, with that event. And they're more than likely there for the content. So, you know, this type of technology can, can be that tool that helps corporates, exhibition organizers, and, and those people that actually go to attend those events to be much more sustainable in their approach of, of communicating and networking. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong now or anything different with having a 45-minute hour meeting via a Zoom than it would be if we met in a Costa Coffee in, in London, really. Other than yeah. one of us, no, neither of us is picking up the bill for the coffee. That's that's the only difference, right? Um, but maybe maybe that's another thing because you know we were talking funnily enough the other day in, a, in an organizer group that I'm in about you know clever ideas around sponsorship and, and maybe I could send you a, a virtual uh, virtual gift card to pick up your coffee next time. I, I don't know, but it, it is interesting. I think I think those two key points there really add to the value and the benefit of, of utilizing this technology as a strategy going forward way 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 after you know COVID-19 has, has hopefully passed. Do, do you think do you think events will be the same after after with with this technology and, and, and with COVID? What's your what's your opinion? Well I, th I mean uh, you know many things will be how they were. You'll still have a trade show with products and booths and all these things. And uh, yeah, I don't see that all of a sudden going away, but I think that there is going to be a shift in terms of how how virtual is maybe leading up to the event, but post-event. Uh, you know, some organizers are already very cleverly where you can download the content afterwards or watch that through a portal. Um, so it will have an impact on what constitutes an event as we've just been speaking about. It will also have an impact probably on the monetization of it. Um, now the question is still whether we end up in a in a recession in the coming period or not, but I do think that it's going to have a hit on the economy, uh, and and therefore also a hit on on willingness of corporates to uh, to exhibit and sponsor events, um, which is going to kind of accelerate a change that I've seen coming, that we've probably seen coming, and we've actually spoken about, which is the shift away from this very big upfront um payments or paying for a booth to maybe something more where you have a basic entry fee in combination with a cost per meeting or a cost per lead uh, and and you pay for certain parts of the experience in addition to your basic uh, 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 kind of uh, exhibition stand so i think that might actually uh, accelerate that change because exhibitors might be like oh actually i'm not sure if i'm going to do this this year and that could actually have an impact you know traders have made incredible money over the years and, and it's been a very profitable sector i think for many of them um that's why we have had so much private equity interest um but i do think that this is probably going to have an impact on that and, and going to require maybe a change in the business model in some areas uh which will probably stay with us for a very long time i'm already hearing chat about that now right people saying actually how can we monetize these virtual events well it's probably not just going to be having a virtual booth is probably not going to be the way that you monetize it. There's going to be, have to be something else. You're going to have to do more to facilitate those connections, either through a hosted buyer program or actually uh, do facilitating those connections in a different way through a technology platform. So yeah, yeah. events will change for sure. I agree with you there. I think, I think there needs to be a, a again, a, a, maybe a little change in, in direction and approach when it comes to, to, to virtual. Um, you know, let's be honest with, each of the exhibition organizers in on the whole have you know spend a lot of time curating and, and and managing the process in which ends up delivering great content at these events and, and that is giving away on the whole 
for free as a means in which to get those people into the room, right? Um, but, but where else do we generally get great content where it doesn't cost us something as, as individuals? You know, Disney, you know, we pay for Disney, we pay for Netflix, we pay for Prime, uh, we pay to go to the cinema, we, we pay for content through Amazon, for books, access to Kindles, content, content, content is valuable. So I think exhibition organisers could potentially lower the overall entry cost for, for an exhibitor, plus also save them huge amounts of money, which will bring me on to a point in a second. Um, so that makes the ROI much more achievable for, for, for companies, maybe startups, companies like yourself, you know, they ha don't have to build the booth, they don't have to send three staff for three days and hotels and flights and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, just layers on top. And then there's yep. absolutely the, the opportunity to still deliver great content and, you know, ask for a ticket fee, ask for, for a corporate license, which gives access to all the staff, give them access to white papers and content and, and all that kind of other stuff after, as part of it that adds value. Maybe even deal with, you know, do a deal with a sponsor. So again, everybody gets an Uber Eats kind of voucher and they get lunch on, on a sponsor or something like that, which is a, another way that an organizer could, could drive revenue. And it's interesting because I was speaking to an organizer the other day, um, and I won't, I won't name the organization, but they actually had a physical event coming up uh, at South by Southwest. They, they had interest from a really big blue chip sponsor, and it was big money. Unfortunately, once that blue chip had calculated the extra cost involved in, in actually physically attending, they decided to withdraw and, and, and take a step back and use that money elsewhere. Since that, that company's pivoted to digital um, and virtual. That blue chip sponsor has found out and actually came back to them and said, right, now that I don't have all these extra added costs on, can we talk about a package that was similar to what we got? So ultimately, the organizer is going to get just as much value out of it in sponsorship revenue. They've not had to discount their prices, adjust it very much. It's, it's all about exposure for this company in front of the right audience. And that corporate has saved themselves a huge amount of money in terms of logistics and cost and delivering. So I think, I think there's definitely an evolutionary process that's going to happen over the, over the coming years. Um, maybe we'll see some stuff really, really quickly. Um, I'm hoping production value gets really good around virtual events. But in the meantime, I think solutions like yours are absolutely that, that key bridge that will, will, will facilitate the, 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 the value right out of the bat in the short term as organizers kind of understand and learn a little bit more about how to deliver the whole um, whole experience just yep. just one final thought then on on the technology and um, because because you're you're the tech guy so, so you're you're probably like already living in year 2056 or something do you know what i mean you're <laughs> like you see the you see version 17.5 we're on version one where do you where do you see the technology going where does it need to improve over where it is now and where do you see it going? It's a good question. Um, I think you know getting the basics out is is pretty straightforward. So like the you know the beginning steps are 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 pretty you know are are, are okay. I think that that's where we will be at a at a solid kind of virtual event solution in for for us and also for some others. Um, in kind of two, three weeks time, at least for us, uh, let's speak for myself, like, you know, that we will have all the things that you would expect, streaming integrated, session live uh, chat, uh, maybe some live polling, uh, you know, there's all these different elements around sessions that we'll have, 
uh, everything around networking that will be there, maybe some virtual booths elements, uh, some speed networking, what we're looking at. So there is all these things will be in place in the coming you know, two to three weeks. But then it goes beyond that. And that's really where it becomes a little bit more interesting, you know, kind of how do you engineer serendipity? I think that's a great question. And I think that's going to take a couple of iterations to get that right. How can you... Um, I did a stand-up comedy course and the most important thing uh, in stand-up comedy is connection with the audience. And so connection with the audience and the second point is performance. So these two elements, like the second point performance, you speak about production value. I think it's gonna take a couple of iterations to get to the right level of production value and how technology can help augment that, right? And, and, and help increase that production value. But then the connection with the audience is really another one with how do you take this from being a, an offline webinar that you just listen to on repeat to actually making this something where the speaker feels connected with the audience and can gauge that, that interaction, right? I think that's going to take a while as well, how we're going to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's where some, where some key elements where technology is going to go through quite a couple of iterations and, and, and uh, I'm sure me and many others are already actively thinking about how can we, how can we achieve, achieve those things? Yeah, and, and it's interesting you, see, you say about production value and, and, and speakers as well, because they're, you know, they're, they're 33% of everything is, as well as the technology, right? You know, the technology exists now to, for us to have a great conversation. And, you know, if we had 100, 1,000, 6,000 people watching this now, it wouldn't be about the technology. It would be about the production yeah. value and how engaging we are as speakers, right? And I think that is yeah. where organizers are also going to have to put effort in, you know, how do they support speakers to make sure they have good lighting and good camera and good sound? Can, can they deliver things to their, their offices and their houses so they don't have to worry about, you know, the laundry in the, in the background as well? So that's, that's one argument. Um, but then there's also, you know, those people as a speaker, um, many people can get away with not necessarily being the best most engaging speaker at a live event because there's so much else going off and, and there's so much more environmental influence that as long as the, the the content is good how that person delivers it is is not so important right but you know maybe all the speakers are going to have to start going on things like jimmy fallon courses and and, and like comedy courses to, to make sure that they they hold people's attention when like you said yeah. earlier that there's all these distractions around that yep. I mean, my wife can't even get my attention for, for longer than 10 minutes, never mind somebody at the other end of a camera for, for, for an hour or two. Um, yep. So it'd be interesting to see how speakers evolve, how programming involves. I think personally, I would like to consume content in, in maybe shorter chunks over a longer period of time, maybe over a week or so, things that I can dip in and out of. Um, things that are facilitated like fun as well like why can't we have a virtual networking drinks that seems to be the new trend doesn't it of people just joining up on a Friday with a beer at their own house so that needs to get programmed in and I think even so, more so I, I saw a speaker the other day that programmed in halfway through their own virtual session a toilet break and a, and a, and a, and a phone check break so so you know even from the speaker's point of view within their 30 minutes, 40 minutes, they're, they're programming in that, that ability for people to kind of take five minutes and, and just breathe and, and respond to the email. So it'll be interesting to see how the technology develops. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about what we might be able to do uh, around Event Tech Live this, this year, absolutely. And I think the, 
the actual uh, the revenue, the reach. Um, there's so much potential that um, I think I think actually, in a as much as I wouldn't want coronavirus to have happened uh, and COVID nineteen, it's actually propelled this element so much further forward than than maybe the trajectory yeah. it was it was on. Yeah, and exactly, and, and, it, and it, 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 you you hint upon it on the last moment, right? It's like you, it feels feels incorrect. I saw an interview with the guy from Zoom and he was like, you know, we're not going to increase marketing or sales or anything. We are not going to be the company that kind of takes this as an like a, an opportunity to accelerate, which I think is, you know, the right approach. You know, this is this, uh, this is a difficult time for the world as a whole and we need to be conscious of that. Uh, but simultaneously, it is it is impacting the ways that things that might have taken 10 years are now happening in weeks. And so I think it is accelerating change that we need to be aware of. And that is creating new ideas and opportunities that uh, we should be looking at um, uh, to facilitate connections in different ways. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, it's extremely exciting time in that sense uh, uh, from all the change that is going on in the world right now. We're going through a historic period and, and 10 years from now, we're gonna say, yes, that was the moment that, that things changed. Uh, we will probably look back at, it, at, at these months in that way. Absolutely. Tim, thanks for joining me today on the Event Industry News podcast. Where can people reach you? How do people reach out to you personally? How do they set up demos if they want to, to, to have a look at your, your virtual meeting room technology and, and grip? Yeah, no, definitely. Thanks, Adam. So um, people can just go to uh, grip.events and find us, find us there. Um, and they can reach me directly at tim at grip.events um, and, and send me an email there. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm normally pretty good at responding, so hopefully I can get back to you quickly. Um, so, so yeah, if you want to learn more, just just request them on the website, take a look there, or or reach out to me directly. I'll be happy to speak with anyone. Fantastic, mate. Listeners, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, um, please do like, comment, and share. Tag Tim in, connect up with him, and if you have time and you have enjoyed today, please give us a rating on your preferred podcasting platform. That really does help the discoverability of. Uh, this podcast and, and get um, these thoughts and ideas into the minds of other event professionals all around the world. Um, that's it for today. Until next time, thank you for joining us.